In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Season four. Let's go, baby. Yeah. There was a time I had trouble talking about it. Congratulate them, we know they doubted. Somehow we made it up out the pit. Back against the wall, never quit. Traversing through each obstacle. Show a non-believer what's possible. Let nothing they could do stand in between me and my wildest dreams. Let's go. And that come at us could come in between. Life gave me the worst, yet my side grew so green. We've been down in the dirt. Been tossed in the trash, but I never strayed from my path. When we're gone, we ain't looking back. Maybe we were all way too high. Maybe that's our fault. It's going to be a crazy time, but it's going to be a fun time. Life is boring if you don't take some chances and do some things outside the box. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice. All right, all right, all right. And welcome in, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And here we go. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in tonight. In Between Fantasy Football Podcast, the fellas back here with you tonight. I'm Seth Wilcock, joined by real estate agent. Uh, not a realtor. There's a difference. I learned last episode. There is a difference on that. Real estate agent, chef, father, husband, and fantasy football extraordinaire, Nathan Polvo. What's up, Nate? What's up, man? How's it going? Nothing, man. Glad to have you in here. Another beautiful day out here in the valley. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. We got thunderstorms and rain today, which we've needed desperately. It's been very dry. So that was awesome. And just kind of getting ready for the show. Absolutely, dude. And we also have construction manager, another father, Seattle native, Scott Reinier. What's up, brother? Let's ride. (laughs) Got my my early early birthday present. for my brother and brother-in-law got it today and I'm wearing it cause it's awesome. I'm good, man. Just got back from vacation. I was in Minnesota, lived through my first ever tornado shelter warning, which was crazy. Now just back in Seattle where it's probably going to rain. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Scott. also joining us tonight, guys, a very special guest, actor, writer, fancy football enthusiast, Michael Stoyanov. What's up, Mike? Hey, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and it is actor, not thespian. Much like real estate agent, realtor, there is a difference, <laughs> and I'm definitely more of an actor and less of a thespian. Never, uh, never made your way down to Broadway, then? Uh, no, I would do Broadway. I just think it's it's a it's a, a thespian feels highfalutin to me. An actor mm-hmm. feels more like yeah. a man of the people, and I, I would prefer to be I'd prefer to be that. And I tend to play sort of like less highfalutin characters. So, you know, I'm usually selling drugs, and then shortly thereafter, getting shot. so i feel like that's actor work not thespian work it's funny you say that because we just watched you my wife and i just watched you in justified justified yeah that's one that's yeah i i tend to agree with you too but it's mostly just because i don't know what thespian means (laughs) (laughs) yeah justified is a i think i've been shot and or killed in other ways four or five times over the course of my career and that's that and dark knight are probably my two favorites okay Okay. Nice. All right. All right. Um, you were dopey in Dar- Dark Knight. Is that mm-hmm. right? Or you're one of the, the intro people right there? That No, that is correct. I am in the credits as dopey. Although we didn't really, you know, it was not, no one, we never used our name. So it was yeah. consequential. But uh, yeah, I was dopey and then there was happy and 
Gr uh, Grumpy, I think. I don't remember the other names, but I was definitely Dopey, and I'm definitely the first person killed in the movie. So That's an awesome distinction, yeah, though. That is I'd take cool. that. Yeah, I die at one, 20, 1 minute 22 seconds for anyone <laughs> who wants to like check it out. You know, nice. DVD. At least they only have to get through the first minute and a half. They don't have to watch the rest <laughs> of the film even then. That first sequence, that is the shit. That is, that is the best part of the movie. So, I mean, it's a great movie like start to finish yeah. i yeah. mean i feel like the opening and the the reveal of heath as a joker is uh is where it's at so yeah proud, proud you've done it and it's shot in chicago absolutely oh. well michael you've definitely uh you definitely made your way um from the 1990 sitcom blossom um to from beverly 90210 justified dark knight prison break blacklist you've kind of done it all um we're going to talk all about your acting career how you kind of made that shift from that to a writer now you're a fantasy football enthusiast on top of it all um we're going to talk about that tonight we're also going to play a game of would you rather um with our guests as well we're going to do a little scott fishbowl preview at the end as well we got some short things sleepers of the week nate's gonna like mine for once and i think i'm gonna like nate's for once so that's exciting <laughs> um very exciting um and uh, but before we get there, guys, any new listeners, any new uh, any new viewers on YouTube, the easiest way to support us here at IBT Media is just drop us a subscribe. If you like the video, if you like the content here, give us a like as well. We appreciate everyone who's tuned in um, all season long. It looks like we, we have some people in the chat already. Uh, look, oh, we got Brad back here um, up, Brad? in the chat <laughs> all the way from Australia. So it's got to be you, like what, 6 a.m. for Very Brad nice. right now again. Yeah. It's the future. That's all I know. <laughs> it is tomorrow. He's in the future. Brad is in Thursday right now. Well, Brad, we appreciate you making a, a part of it, making us part of your Thursday here, man. Um, guys, before we get to the offseason session as well, I just want to talk a little bit about some of this NFL news that has been breaking. Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal earlier this week, um, he reported that Deshaun Watson could be looking at a full-year suspension. Then it came out earlier today, maybe it's going to be six to eight uh, weeks. Michael, how does this affect how you're going after Browns players in your draft, if you are at all, um, with, with all this kind of lingering right now? I mean, I would say it affects the team very poorly, obviously. Like, I mean, they have the Baker doesn't want to play there. Apparently, there's locker room issues, even if they do. I don't know if you saw the interview yesterday where he was like, well, they would have to extend an olive branch or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of opened the door, but I'm not even sure that that is uh, is the way they want to go or they're going to go. And like, I'm not, I have no confidence in Brissett. I don't think the receiving core, even, you know, with Dan Marino is, was going to be particularly good. So I think it'll probably be a, a, a year for their running backs. And uh, uh, what about the rumor that they might try and get someone like Jimmy G like that? That's a, that's a, that's a bandaid. Uh, that's a hell of a lot more uh optimistic uh if, for me than uh than going with Brissett all year or even for eight weeks like uh so I, I don't know I think that it that it's a it's a bad bad problem for them and their their playoff hopes but, uh, on top of it all and just to finish up they play in a really difficult division so like I don't know I don't have a lot of a lot of confidence in that team this year I don't think Nate, you've been drafting. The only Brown I've been seeing you going after in mock drafts, drafts the last couple weeks has been Nick Chubb. Um, does he kind of get a, an uptick for you? Because he definitely does for me. 
if it is Brissett under center and not Deshaun Watson? Well, I mean, definitely because Brissett's typically a low-volume passer. So any offense he's in tends to run the ball a lot more. And Brissett's yeah, yeah. not especially mobile, so he's, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be running the ball a lot. They're going to lean on Chubb, and they're going to lean on Hunt in the short passing game more, probably. So Chubb's really the guy I want. I don't know how much Kareem Hunt's going to really be involved, but I feel like Chubb's going to be a guy who's going to get 20 to 25 carries a game. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's when he had his best fantasy output was back in 2019. Almost saw 300, 300 carries that season. And you are right about Jacoby Brissett. He's never cracked 500 passing attempts, although he started almost two full seasons for the Colts. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I definitely think he's a value right now at the ADP of RB13, uh, especially considering that Brissett last year also targeting Miles Gaskin almost five times per game in the games that Brissett saw 50% snap share in. So maybe we see a little more of Nick Chubb dump-offs than we've mm-hmm. seen in the last couple of years. Scott, what say you about this Browns offense? Anything that we haven't touched on already? Um, I mean, I'll just counter a little bit. Uh, if Chubb stays at RB 13-ish, then I'd, I'd say that's that's good value. But the problem is, is um, you know, right now we're just speculating about this suspension. I think regardless, there's, regardless, there's going to be a suspension. Um, at least that's my opinion. And so once the news is official, there will actually there will, there will be a spike. Anytime the news becomes official, there'll be a spike in Chubb's ADP. I, I would think, you know, once once it's known. And to me, Chubb, at least in PPR, he he's right at that threshold when I'm drafting where I want to probably lean towards a receiver or a Kelsey, to be honest. Unless, okay. I mean, dear God, all I want them to do is pass the ball to Chubb more. If Chubb, if Chubb got more passes, he could be the RB1 every single year. And I'm bitter because the Seahawks passed on him for Rashad Penny. <laughs> but, you know, it's that same back and forth of, okay, a downgrade in your quarterback situation. Is that actually good for Chubb or is that more stacked boxes? You know, I just think it's kind of a mess and I'm probably staying away personally from all Cleveland players. Absolutely understandable. And guys, the other big news of the week was Terry McLaurin. He finally signs with the commanders three years, 71 million extension for him. Michael, how does this affect Terry McLaurin? He's been a player, at least the last year that burned a lot of players. If they went after him, uh, at his ADP. I mean, this guy is so frustrating because you watch him play, you watch him play for three minutes and you're like, this guy has all world talent and athleticism. He could be uh, in the top 10. Like he's just so cursed. He's never had a decent quarterback and I don't know what they do in terms of scheme, but you'll, he'll, he'll catch like four passes in the first drive and then like have one target the rest of the game. And you're like, what is happening? So I don't know. Uh, like Scott said a minute ago in regard to positioning, where he's going right now, he's, he's somewhere like uh, wide receiver 15 to 20, I guess, in, in most people's estimation. I, I hope if it comes to me at that point, I already have one wide receiver at least. And I'm very, very unlikely to go with McLaurin there. I will probably be addressing other needs. So uh, I think he's super talented, but I don't see him being on any of my teams this year. I 100% agree. I, I, I don't think he'll be on any of my teams. The ADP, it's still going to be a little high. You got Carl Wentz back there. You know, I, I just don't trust that at all. Um, and, you know, Jahan Dotson coming out of Penn State, he is a PPR threat, I think, and you can get him in the back half of your drafts. 
almost in the last round at this point. Um, so I'm more more inclined to take Jahan Dotson. Uh, a lot of receptions at Penn State, poor QB play. So I think he can do it again here with Wentz. Nader Scott, any interest in Dotson, McLaurin? Because it looks like uh, Stoyanov and I were full fade on uh, Terry McLaurin at the ADP. I'm out on McLaurin. I don't like he's, – so he's going around wide receiver 17 to 18 right now. That price is too high for a guy that's more than likely going to finish in that wide receiver three tier. The pass catcher I want on this team is J.D. McKissick. In 2020, when he was healthy, he had 110 targets. You're going to get a running back that's going to have that rushing upside plus 100-plus targets when he's healthy. That's the guy who's going to be catching more balls in this offense because that was with Rivera at head coach. J.D. McKissick almost free in drafts right now, too, especially the rookie Brian Robinson coming in from Alabama, pushing his ADP down even a little bit more. Yep, and he had Robinson had four, uh, almost 40 catches at Alabama last year, so he's a pretty talented pass catcher as well. We may see more of these backs getting targeted over, and McLaurin may be losing out on some work, especially with Dotson there. I like this talk because I still like Gibson. I mean, I, I think Me up, where he's going right now this year, I think – He's definitely more value, represents more value than McLaurin right now in oh, yeah. underdog yeah. in various places. Like, I'm like stupefied that he's sitting there. I'm like, how is this possible? I'll Gibson's getting, Gibson's getting faded into very high value territory. I think that's a mistake. I mean, I mean, it's like the commanders are the first team to ever have a running back behind their one in Brian Robinson. <laughs> you know, it's like, also, oh my gosh, the commanders are doing this new thing where they draft a rookie and they don't just have one primary back. Oh yeah. So are like 28 other teams. Right, right. The fade is just, it's too much. He was fourth in the league in carries last year. Everybody thinks he had just this atrocious year. I mean, he got utilized. He was sneaky, statistically strong. Yeah. Year, and yeah. like, I think it's a mistake. I think plus I'll, I, plus I'll I, him on my team. I Definitely. traded for him in a dynasty league before the NFL draft. And so I have to, I have to prop him up, you know, like that has to work out for me. He's hype man now. I'm actually, you guys- little, I'm also higher, I think, than the group on McLaurin, to be honest. Um, he's still the commander's wide receiver one. I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I really like Jay Dotson. I'll, I'll take him at the end of redraft drafts and put him on my bench all day long. But McLaurin is the wide receiver one. I'm not getting cute on that. Um, last year he was, he was averaging wide receiver one numbers per game. And then the commander's quarterback situation fell off a cliff, you know? And I mean, we've been through this conversation with Allen Robinson for years. So it's, it's hard to really say, okay, you know, it's just because of a bad quarterback and Carson Wentz is not a great quarterback, but he is still better than the quarterbacks that McLaurin has had so far, in my opinion. Um, so why, honestly, if, if he fades to like low end wide receiver two, for me, if, if I can, if, if I can nab McLaurin as my wide receiver two, I'm fine with that. Do you take him over like Judy and Deontay and I'm not taking him over Deontay. Um, Judy. I would have to, I would, that's, that's right there for me. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Deontay. I'm, I'm higher on Deontay. I would say than most. Um, So I'm not taking McLaurin over him. Right. But um, I don't know. I just, I agree with you. It's just like the, the, the potential he shows. I mean, he just like, there's games where he's, he's just obviously the best player on the field. Um, and it's so hard though. It's like, I'm, I'm glad he got his, I'm glad he got, got paid, but he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He deserves any decisions the commanders make these days. This is what Christian Kirk did to the free agent market folks. Got Terry McLaurin, a massive, massive. Yeah. But McLaurin deserves way more money than Christian Kirk. I'm not saying he doesn't. He definitely does. You're right. No, you're right. Christian Kirk is, that's a wonky thing that happened. 
seeing where he is on the like list of top paid receivers in the league, it doesn't make any sense. Right. I'm just surprised Dan Dan Snyder was able to pony up anything. You know, he's been dodging subpoenas out on his yacht, you know, yacht for the last month and a half. I don't know what's know. going on. He can't even show up uh, show up for his court appearance. So, uh, yeah, Terry McLaurin gets paid. Uh, Scott, he's interested there. Um, Mike sounds like he's more interested in Antonio Gibson, RB23 right now in underdog fantasy. So definitely a sneaky That's... value if you need an RB2. Very, very attractive, I think. RB23 is ridiculous. I know. Like... Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our off-season session here. Learn a little bit more about Mike and his acting career. Mike, so you kind of got to live through an awesome point in life, I think. Um, the 1970s, I think you were born in 1970, 1969? Yeah, it's 69, thereabouts. Okay. The okay. internet says a variety, a variety of things, but we'll go thereabouts. <laughs> okay. That's, that's the most accurate. All right. And, and the biography said Chicago. Is that where you were born? Is that where you grew up at all? Or am I getting bad intel there? I was born in Rockford, Illinois, which is about 80 miles north. And then my parents got divorced when I was like seven or eight. And I went and lived with my dad in Minnesota for five years. And then like for seventh, about seventh grade, I went and my mom had moved to Evanston, which is the suburb where Northwestern Mm -hmm. University is like just north of Chicago. And uh, I went and lived with her for middle school and high school and then part of college. And then I went to L.A. So some somewhat true. Okay. Okay. And what was it like growing up in that area of the country at that time? I mean, the Midwest was, uh, you know, it, it was great to grow up. I was, I grew up in this little tiny town called Crookston, Minnesota, like maybe population eight, 9,000 people. And like to be like ages like six, seven to like 10 or 11, that was great. Cause it's like, you're running around outside and you're sledding and tobogganing and cross country skiing. And like, it was really fun to, to have that sort of bucolic, small town existence and then to move to chicago at the time i did i had done a play like in sixth grade in this little community uh theater uh setting in Crookston, minnesota and i realized i think i thought i wanted to like explore that so i went and lived with my mom who was then living in chicago and took advantage of like all the sort of culture there and it was uh it was fun it was a rough transition because i moved at christmas break so, uh, oh, I mean, yeah, even in the best of circumstances, I struggle to make friends. So but like to like show up in January, like when everything was sort of already set in stone was a little rough. And I actually did that twice in my life in third grade and in seventh grade. But uh, uh, it was great. It was great to then grow up in, in Evanston and Chicago and go to Columbia College and uh, be there for the rise of the Bears, the Ditka Bears. And uh, 85 was like a, a, an amazing uh, year. And I was like a just out of just graduating high school right around then. And uh, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was a good time. And you guys are all, no one, you guys were all not even born at this point. I know you uh, are not. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm 1979. Okay. All right. I'm 82. All right. Seth's the little kid over here. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't want to share my age. I don't want to age myself. You know, no, I, I was, age. I'm the, I was the perfect age to absolutely love most of the shows you've been in. 
Oh, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. great. Blossom, 90210, like, those were my shows at, at that age. Like, that's I, what I was watching, you know? Very much appreciated. Always great to hear from a fan. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed the show. Yeah, I, I was I was more the rerun generation. I was born in 1998, but, you know, saw a lot of it, you know, kind of on rerun the last, you know, sure. 20, 25 years or so. Right. Um, Michael, can you talk a little bit about how you made that transition in, into acting at such a young age? Um, it sounded like you kind of got your first start in that local local play when you were in, what, sixth grade or so? Yeah, exactly. I did. I was, yeah, right around there, seventh grade. And I went. And I did this little community show and it was a comedy. And uh, uh, I remember like the opening night, I was uh, I, I said my like first line, my first like funny line and got this like big laugh. And like as soon as that happened, I was like, I want to do this. This is okay. great. This feels amazing. So I knew that like I wanted to entertain from that moment on. And uh, yeah, the one thing just led to another. And I went and I studied uh, all through high school and uh I don't know if you know who Jeremy Piven is. His parents had a really famous uh, like children's theater improv program in Evanston, and I took that for a couple of years. And I did the Second City training, and uh, I did oh, wow. the Improv Olympic, which was on the rise at that point. And then, yeah, I just uh, I was lucky enough to work. I did like a commercial, and then I did an episode of T.J. Hooker where they came <laughs> they came to Chicago. And uh, I have I have Shatner stories that are uh, mind blowing. Uh, he didn't know his lines, but he's a super consummate professional. But didn't know his lines, but still he made it he, anyway. And he had a perm back then. Uh, that was the first time I got shot and killed on uh, in TV. And uh, I did some other stuff. And uh, th there was a show called Crime Story that Dennis Farina starred in in like the eighties. And uh, it sort of set me up with a nice little platform to get to LA which then happened in like the late eighties, early nineties. And uh, yeah, I was really, really fortunate, like blessed truly to like have the, the success I did. And uh, like things just like, you know, I'm, I'm always conscious of like what, what an amazing amount of good fortune I've had just to be able to, to do this for a living. And uh, yeah, like the Blossom thing is a great example. I was doing a show called Empty Nest. They'd cast me and that was the same producer's as as blossom and they they couldn't help notice that there was a resemblance between me and mayam and so they brought me in and it was like just sort of like that that sort of like fortuitousness that good luck basically mm -hmm. and you definitely mm -hmm. need that like no matter how talented or driven you are i think i think the same is true just talking about mclaurin for example you a certain amount of luck is like is you know absolutely necessary to like really achieve at the highest levels so like you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I feel super fortunate to have been, to be an actor and a writer. And uh, yeah. What was it like, man? Just like playing Tony Russo, the oldest brother there. Um, it's, it, it's a great story. And I feel like Blossom is one of those shows, at least I, I thought for the 1990s. I mean, the pilot comes in and the first thing conversation I think you hear about is, is sex, you know? Right. So it's definitely a little edgier for the time, I thought. Well, I think the second episode we ever did was called Blossom Blossoms. And it's about her getting her first period. So, like, that was pretty groundbreaking for a sitcom starring, like, a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think the popularity really, really redounds to Mayim's incredible ability and her talent and her sort of charm and just her the magnetic appeal that she's always had. And Joey, 
who was so popular with like he was like the Tom Holland of that okay. moment. Like, <laughs> girls that age, just like he walked on water. It was amazing. And it was good luck for us. Like, you know, so and then the chemistry of the rest of the cast, they were we were all, I feel like myself excluded, like everyone was super talented and like everyone really liked each other. And uh, we just caught a break like that, you know, because it was a, in regard to me, it was, it was, I went from like, not like little tiny parts in Chicago on little shows and movies to like guest star parts to like being a series regular. And like, it was on a show that went for five years and that's super rare to like the first pilot you do to like turn into a series. Like back then, like they do a hundred pilots and like five or maybe 10 of them would get episode orders. So I was again, super lucky. And uh, it was really a, an amazing ride for sure. What was it? So real quick. So I've made it, I've made it very clear, open and honest publicly. I'm, I'm a recovering drug addict. Right. Um, so, I mean, obviously like I have a connection to the character you play, not, not, not when I was watching it as a kid, I didn't know I was a drug addict yet. Thank God. But, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But looking back, like, you know, what, where did that where did that character come from? What was it like to play that role? The, actually, that was uh, the producer and creator, Don Rio. He had uh, he had some experience, I believe, in that world. But he had a lot of friends and one in particular who he told me he sort of based the character on. And uh, yeah, I again, one of one of the one of the like nicest feelings is like over all these years and decades really i get people reaching out and saying like wow your character in particular really really helped me or really you know it, you know and i really appreciate that and uh, it was definitely like i was the sort of one to the 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 very special episodes were always sort of delegated to me for because of the character was in aa and like we did a relapse episode and we did a, an episode where like a friend like ODs and like really like heavy stuff again for a, a sitcom generally sort of skewed yeah. for, for younger people. But uh, yeah, that was a, it was a, a really, it was a great to be a sort of groundbreaking character like that. Yeah. Because I mean, you don't know, like I said, you don't really notice it at the time when you're watching the shows as they come out, but looking back for the time frame, it came out. Yeah. It was a pretty pioneering <laughs> subject matter. I mean, the only other show I can think of at that time, that went to that place was growing pains when there was a, when there was a character that died in a drunk driving accident, right. you know? Um, and I remember how, like, as a kid, that just seemed like, Whoa, but, but yeah, anyway, I mean, like just, you know, I'm one of those recovering addicts that's super appreciative of that. You know, I'm a big, huge TV movie guy. So like, yeah, you know, true. it is, it is what it is, but like, um, but yeah, I mean, just like, I just, I'm drawn to those types of characters. So well, I definitely appreciate it. I really do. And and what do you think made Lost? Like you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what do you think made that show su successful? Was it you know obviously you said the lead was very strong in that, and just the overall chemistry of it as well? I think again, it was a, we did a lot of things that were like out of the norm. Like another thing besides my character, I ended up I I ended up in an interracial marriage, which was not not mm. it wasn't the mm. first time ever, but it was certainly not like very common. The, we went the in the pilot episode. It was like a traditional family with a mom and a dad. But then for the series, they went with a single dad, which was another sort of interesting dynamic. So beyond the sort of 
we were blessed to have a lot of really talented people and like really funny people and great writers. The things they did with the show were, uh, were also sort of provided a, a level of intrigue and interest, I think, that really caught on with, with people. So mm -hmm. awesome. it's more relatable to real life. I mean, full house, nobody's life was like that. <laughs> Not one person. Yeah. <clears throat> but then Blossom is like, okay, these are things that normal people go through. Right. I agree. Uh, and I think that like, like Joe, Joey, notwithstanding the kid was beautiful, but like Maya and me, we look like real people. Mm -hmm. We were not like sort of plasticky, two dimensional, like, uh, and again, nothing against being really, really right. ridiculously good. Yeah, it's tired of Joey. <laughs> it's just, again, it was a little bit unique because uh, I wouldn't say it was all the way to sort of like, soap opera world where everyone is like you know just gorgeous but like most of tv and in most sitcoms everyone was like really really sort of traditionally classically good looking and like mm -hmm. i think that it was interesting i think people could look at mayam and see more readily young people could more readily be like that's me that could be me that you know what i mean a lot and so she she resonated with with her generation of girls and then later women in a way that like made it made the show more popular. Awesome. And and how old were you when, when you started playing that role? Twenty uh, ish. Okay. So you're out in Hollywood. I, I imagine by yourself. I imagine your parents didn't go out there with you. That is correct. What was it? What was that like? What are some of the struggles and some of the 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 privileges that kind of came with that lifestyle at such a young age? Right. Well, I, I mean, I was pretty, I was an adult at that point. So like, I wasn't, I never considered myself really a true child actor because right. like I was in my, my early twenties when uh, it, all, the, all the sort of success started happening. But I mean, it was, you know, it was fun, <laughs> you know, to be young and like living in LA and like having things go well. And like, yeah, it was a great, it was a great time. And uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how much more I can elaborate, you know, on this, PG rate show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we're PG thirteen. I think we are. We, have we, you have we, you ever seen Boogie Nights? It was a lot like that. No, I'm okay. kidding. <laughs> apparently, apparently, no one here has seen Boogie Nights. Oh, I have seen Boogie okay. Nights. Yeah. It was my old my old roommate's favorite movie. I swear, he watched it like three times a week. It's a good, wow. movie. It's a good movie. A lot of Boogie it's Nights. A, but no, I yeah. never, I never went to a party like that. My life was not like Boogie Nights. I, I don't want, I don't want to get angry tweets and emails and anything else. That was a joke. Yeah, <laughs> but it wasn't really. It was really fun to be a kid from the Midwest and then go to Hollywood and have like any success at all. And like, so yeah, it was a, it was thrilling for sure. So. I'm a comedy guy. My wife and I are big comedy people. It's the main focus of our viewing most of the time. Nice. So I, for me, this is kind of the coolest thing I feel like you ever did. I'm most envious. You quit Blossom to go write for Conan O'Brien. That is true. How, uh, wow. How did you make, well, why did you make that decision before well, the show was over? And I'm just right. curious. I think it was the best decision. But I'm just curious. Well, there was the, 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 the end goal, which I never actually got to, was in my, for my generation and coming out of Chicago and training in Second City. And, like, we all loved Monty Python. And then we all loved Kids in the Hall. And the dream, like, I went to college with Andy Dick and uh, before he 
crazy. Uh, and uh, a bunch of other really talented sort of like sketch comedy type people. And like the dream was to have like a kids in the hall type like sketch show. So like I was interested in writing to that end. And like my friend Dino Stamatopoulos had had found success as a writer. He was on he wrote on the Ben Stiller show and that even though it was only a half season, it won an Emmy. And then he ended up on Conan O'Brien. And that was sort of he got my my submission packet read. And then I ended up working at Conan and like, yeah, as great as as it was being on Blossom, it had sort of like it had, it had come to a head for a variety of reasons. And then I, I feel like the 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 story, my character had sort of played itself out. And then I was I wanted I'd had this offer from in New York from Conan to like come do this. And I thought this was not a, a, the next step. And so like that's sort of like what went into that decision. And though we didn't ever get to like have a sketch comedy show with like my four best friends from college or from Chicago, mm. the sketch comedy scene. We did. I ended up writing on Mad TV and Mr. Show and a couple other things that I'm really proud of. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, so uh, I, I don't know that it was the smartest thing like overall for my career, but I definitely I don't really regret it. I don't think mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's hard to look back and like make that call. But uh, so I have to ask, did you ever get to work with Maynard on Ooh. Mr. Show Maynard? No, I don't think so. That show I only did for one cycle, which for writers Ooh. is 13 weeks. And then okay. I ended up doing, I had an offer to go back and do more acting, which I took. And I really don't like to this day, I'm, I'm more than willing to sort of, if asked, I didn't really have much of an impact on the season that I worked on the show. I mean, that show was filled with super talented people, top to bottom writers and actors you know, Bob and David are amazing and Paul F. Tompkins, who as a comedy person, I'm sure you know, and Brian Posehn and again, Dino Stamatopoulos and uh, just really, really talented people. And uh, I definitely it was great experience, but I didn't I didn't really leave my mark on that show, per se. Um, so, no, I don't I don't I did not work with Maynard. <laughs> yeah, I have to say just a fan to be a fanboy real quick. Um, like I was saying before, like the shows you were acting on just like were it just the timing of it you know but the comedy you were involved with too because i concur i mean conan o'brien to me is maybe the funniest person on the planet and i've right. loved everything he's done basically his whole career up well, to, like, to including his podcast now I listen to every right. episode. and so the fact that you got to work on that show and then mad tv too i mean mad tv like that again based on where i was mentally in my mind because i'm huge comedy guy right. I deflect all of my stress and everything. <laughs> yeah, it does. so it's so, a great cool for you know, that. Mad TV was another one where it was just like right when I needed to be watching exactly that. I know? mean, I've been super lucky to work with uh, incredibly talented people. The Conan arc, uh, of my career arc, is interesting in that respect because, like Louis C.K. was a writer there. Robert Smigel, who is a, mm-hmm. literally a legend. I don't know. You know, he does Triumph. He created Triumph. and Saturday TV Funhouse. The, the, the super fans, mm-hmm. the Bears. Like, he was a force on uh, on SNL. And then he was he, he basically set the tone for Conan, although he worked a few years. Then I went and worked with them all again. Louis was my boss, Louis C.K., on the Dana Carvey oh. show. Charlie Kaufman was a writer on that show. Jeez. He wrote, he's an Academy Award winner. Yeah, yeah. He wrote, uh, Adaptation, uh-huh. and then he wrote Being John Malkovich. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Who He created uh, Kimmy Schmidt with Ellie Kemper. 
Uh, Carell mm. and Colbert, it was like their first job. Um, wow. They're both were in the writing room a lot because they're, they were out of Chicago and they were talented in that respect as well. And yeah, I really, again, have been super lucky just to work with amazing. And I almost forgot to mention Dana Carvey on the Dana Carvey yeah. show, but like, you know, just really like, like uh, I sit at the feet of these people and like, you know, because I just think they're, they're all so amazingly talented. So again, I've had a, a great run and I've been really lucky to, to work on the jobs. Yeah. That's, that's, so, that's so awesome. All these people, everybody you just mentioned, they're like legendary to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just so cool. So cool. It's not, what am I even doing there? It's like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's nuts how, how amazing all those people are. Mike, what was your favorite role then after Blossom that, they, that you got into, you know, within the last 25 years or so? Well, in terms of like, like meaty and like important, probably on 90210 was a big deal. That was the character. Again, it was early 90s and like my character dies of AIDS. And like, again, it was like, what? Like, why? This is not like the material that that show was sort of used to doing so like that was really important and it was I, working with jenny garth happened to be amazing and she's super talented and super nice and uh uh but then the little one like i loved we being on uh on uh justified and dark knight i mean dark knight is amazing first of all because i still to this day get paid for that uh nice. on residual, just because it's like the one of the world's most popular movies so yeah. that's if you can ever be in one of the world's most popular movie even if you get shot one minute and 22 seconds in yeah i recommend it it's a Hold good on, let me write that down real quick good, yeah, <laughs> good career move trust me um what was I, I was gonna say something else oh i was i actually we created a show out of improv and we did it at the hbo workspace and it became a movie called space station 76 with Patrick Wilson and I play a robot. I do the voice of a robot in it. And uh, that's a, like a little sleeper uh, credit of mine that I really enjoyed it with debuted at uh, South by Southwest. It's called space station 76. It's a really interesting little dark sci-fi comedy. And uh, it's definitely worth, uh, worth looking at if you can well, find it. Free. Speaking of, speaking of voiceover, I noticed you, you got into the gaming world as well. I Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption yeah, was, 2. I do, you can you can shoot me dead in yes. uh, Red Dead Redemption <laughs> 2. If anyone, uh, I play one of the the Brood, oh, which were sort of like inbred hillbilly types, and we're like, you know how the, the, that game is. Like you'll come oh, yeah. across people, yeah. and you're not sure if they're yep. shady or not, but it's a video game, and you've got a gun, so usually they're shady. Um, so we're, we're definitely, we're, we're, that's a, a credit I did. And, uh, that was fun because we also, we didn't just do the voices. We did the motion capture, the mocap. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. The suit with a million different like sensors. And then you run around and like, I was the smallest guy. So they, they used me like for four days, just as like a dead body. Uh, <laughs> not, not the most glamorous of work, but it still was really fun. It was just v a fun video games sure have changed, haven't they? <laughs> they definitely have. <laughs> like I remember Pong. You don't. Oh, yeah. You don't. You up there don't. Even <laughs> well, I started uh, with Atari, like Jungle exactly. Hunt, Cubert, Atari. That was I remember my... seeing Space Invaders like in restaurants and being like, mm -hmm. "Change the world," and it did. <laughs> it and did. Like... Oh wait, yeah. let's just. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, okay. that's really cool, Joey. I did not know that. Yeah, Space Station 76, everyone. Patrick Wilson, Liv Tyler. There's a lot of talented people in it. It's a really good movie. Matt Bomer, um, Jerry O'Connell. Wow. Huh? Uh, there we go. There's a sports 
bringing awesome. it all back. Awesome. Um, Love it. Yeah. Mike, so what does life look like today for you? It's 2022, um, you know, roughly, what, 20, 20 some years removed from Blossoms. What are you up to nowadays? Uh, well, I still audition a lot and I still work when I can. And uh, I am in a really serious, committed relationship. So that uh, takes up some time as, as it does. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm still going out for stuff and still like acting, working. I worked on Billions. I forgot to mention that as a favorite role. I did like half dozen or so episodes of that show. And uh, yeah, I'm in New York mostly, but then I go back to, to LA for the, the colder months if possible, because uh, I mean, why yeah. not? Um, so yeah, life is pretty much the same, although maybe just a touch quieter. Touch okay. slower, but that's fine. You know, I'm a, I'm an old man now. I'm an old wily old veteran. I don't I don't need to show up for the OTAs. No, mini camp. I'm not for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Mike, how does fantasy football kind of fall into this? Because this has been an amazing journey to hear about. Um, where did fantasy football play a role, and it, it kind of led you to a place now where you're really kind of a a voice in this community. That's really, really nice to hear. But I mean, for me, like it was just I was a sports fan, like, you know, most kids and especially football. And then like as I was a, becoming a young adult, there was like, hey, fantasy, this new thing, fantasy is, uh, you know, and literally when I started, it was like, you know, touchdowns. Like, you know, it was all about who scored the most touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Like a game would like, oh, I won my game 43 to, you know, 32. Mm -hmm. Like there was no, there was, we didn't do any of the, and you had to like buy a USA. I remember getting a USA Today on Tuesday and pouring over the stats and being like calling the commissioner and being like, San Francisco had four sacks, not three. Give me another point. <laughs> yes. Like, you there know, you crazy. And like, yeah, it was just, I just think that like, it's so fun and it's so interesting and it's just a natural extension if you love football. I mean, really, if you love all the sports, but I really only play fantasy football. I mean, why wouldn't you like do this? Because it's just and I think really the NFL and I think they're aware of it, like how it's made it's it's exploded their market, like mm -hmm. for especially the second half of the season, where in the old days, pre fantasy football, like half the country is starting to tune out. They're like, what do we care? My team is one in seven. Like why I don't even, yeah. you know, and now yeah. like we're all millions and millions of us literally are invested all the way through. And it's like, it's a dream for them. It must be. And, and I mean, it's great for us too, because it's, it's the most fun. Uh, uh, I think. And no, I there was a period, sorry, I'll just finish here. Oh, there was a period where like, I even lost, I lost like my, my sort of hometown. Like I didn't really care about the bears anymore because mm -hmm. I only cared about my guys, my Sunday guys. And like, if I was going against a guy who had bears, I didn't want the bears to do well, but I've come back around and now I've found a way to like partition my heart out and like still love the bears and still love the other teams that I love. Also my guys. So I feel bad yeah. for you, man. Rough time to be a bears fan. <laughs> Oh man, it's it's always. I mean, there was there was one little like you know, yeah. it's, it's that's the story of Chicago. Like again, mm. we had we had Jordan, and like that was like a dominant semi era. But like even them, like now they can't figure out, uh, they can't put it together, you know. So it, that's the the plight of the Chicago sports fan. So we're used to it. No, that's a great point you bring up about the market explosion because I mean, it's for me too. It's like. 
before I started playing fantasy football, I mean, I'm not watching a Jags Jets game in week 16. Right. Now I am. <laughs> yes, I you know guess. what I mean? I got points to score. <laughs> you do. You're you going to probably have ATM this year. Uh, it's so funny that you <laughs> it out. Looking at the USA Today and calling the commissioner, correcting the stats. I mean, yeah. you, you were you were destined to be right here with us. Or you'd have to call, you'd have to call and be like, I want to pick up this guy. And he's like, oh, it's too late. I'm already doing it. It's like, ah, you're the commissioner. Oh. <laughs> like there was no waivers. It was all, it was the wild yeah, west. Man, to be like, a commissioner back then. Wow. Oh, I would not have wanted to do it. I watched my dad toil with it. And he, <laughs> he was like pulling his hair out. Some of these people. Yeah, it, it was rough. Thank God for the internet. I mean, I'm on more than just this one ancillary level. That is great on a number of, for a number of reasons. Well, absolutely. Well, Mike, we appreciate hearing more about your story, man. Um, if you have time to stick around, we got a couple more things for you planned. We can jump into a game. Would you rather? I do. I, I only, I'm only sticking around to do this part where now we get to talk about football. This is, yeah, of course I'll stick around. Awesome. Let's, let's get into it, guys. You know the game Would You Rather it combines two things we talk about here at In Between Media the most, fancy football and lifestyle. Um, so let's start you up here, Mike, um, with a question that's it's kind of been hit in the Twitter waves a little bit. Um, I don't really know what really the public's opinion is on it, um, but would you rather draft Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts at their current ADP? Right now on Underdog, you got Kyler Murray QB4, Jalen Hurts QB5, no DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks for you, Mike. Does that sway you at all? It, I mean, that and other things do sway me. And I, I had a little br- very brief sort of back and forth with Nate about this uh, just the, yesterday, I think. I would, I would take Hertz at this point for a variety of reasons. Uh, he's one of them is I'm not. He seems to be more durable. He's bigger and stronger. Like he's some guys, you, you, they take off running like Josh Allen and you're like, yeah, Josh, run him over. Like when Kyler Murray takes off running, I'm like, Oh God, Oh, just get out of bounds. Just hurry. Just to slide. Like you just, he's so small. I mean, he's so good at it, but yeah. So I I just feel safer with Hertz. Uh, I think I'm also, I tend to be a guy who's like, who go gravitates towards some, Oh, this is new and exciting. Like this with AJ Brown, like this could be something much bigger than it, it. offensively that team has been capable of in the last couple of years. And I'm excited about that. And I'd love to have a piece of it. So like that also makes me like Hertz. I think he's going to have a big year. Uh, the Hopkins thing is a big issue. I just think that, that, yeah, Hertz would be my guy if uh, I had to choose between these two. I a hundred percent agree with you. Hammering down Jalen Hurts here. And I think it's exactly what you said, though, Mike, the fall off at the end of the seasons, the durability concerns. Yeah. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I do want a piece of Jalen Hurts because I think he has QB one upside. While I think Kyler Murray, you're kind of tapped somewhere in that mid QB one range if everything goes right. And he hasn't been a league winner. Well, and Kyler can get you to the playoffs, maybe. 
Hertz can get you to the playoffs, and it's more likely that Hertz is more proficient in those playoff weeks down the stretch for your fantasy teams. Agreed. Agreed. The only thing I was going to say before, sorry, is that everyone's got these, like, there's, there's definitely, like, uh, 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 a schism in uh, fantasy world on Hertz. And uh, everyone talks about, I mean, A.J. Brown is the perfect addition because the guy's catch radius is freaking massive. So if you've got a quarterback who you're worried about his accuracy, this guy, he just throw it anywhere on that half of the field where A.J. Yeah. Brown is and you got a shot at him grabbing it. So, like, I really think that Hertz is, hurts his thumbs up and, like, you know, ready for takeoff this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I would pick Hertz here. I don't really have anything else to add to what's been said. I mean, I think he just – his his Konami points he gets via the rush are just more consistent than Kyler Murray these days. Um, I mean, Kyler Murray's shown, you know, when he gets injured, not necessarily injured to where he misses time, but where he gets injured, his rushing output falls off. Um, and no DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I love Marquise Brown, but still, that's a, that's a big hit. But I will say – if you expand the context on this question a little bit, you know, surmising who the top three are here, I'm, there's a few quarterbacks I probably want over both these guys, but that's not the absolutely. question. So absolutely. Um, no, I love it guys. I, 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 you know, looks like we're all in agreement here, which I'm surprised. And I wonder what the consensus is going to be once, you know, a lot of the normal redrafters kind of get involved here come August, but it's definitely exciting to see Jalen Hurts has that upside though. So Awesome to see that. Oh, I was just going to say, I just noticed that, what Scott said. If you've got Murray at four and Hurts at five, where's Jackson? That's so I'm assuming it's, it's Mahomes, Herbert. I thought Jackson's going fourth in after those three guys, after Herbert and Mahomes and Allen. So it's, it's they should be five and six, shouldn't they, Murray and Hurts? Uh, Oh, you're completely right. Definitely take the right. over Hurts. Well, that, that's what I was saying. Like, if it's if yeah, it's Josh Allen, Mahomes, and Herbert, top three, I'm going Lamar Jackson at four. Yeah. Oh, her. yeah. No. Of course. I don't know. I, I've rode that Lamar Jackson experience a few times <laughs> the last couple of years, and there are some concerns there as well with a little bit of regression coming possibly for him and Mark Andrews. But fair point, fair point. I'll leave that for another day. Um, next question here for you. Start off with you again, Mike. Would you rather live full-time in New York or Los Angeles? Seems like right now you're spending your winters in L.A., smart move, and then a lot of time in New York um, other than that. I, I like my life how it is now where I get to spend a decent amount of time, a good amount of time in New York, and then a little bit of time in L.A. I'm trying to get the wife to want to come. Like, we've met in L.A., Mm -hmm. which is kind of, but she doesn't want to go back to LA. She's a comedian, a stand-up comedian, and she, most of her ties are here. And, but I'm like, we're, we both have lives. We're both blessed to sort of, we could, we could be snowbirds. We can go there. Why do you not want to, you know, she loves surfing. She, you know, yeah, I'm I'm working on her, but I want, uh, my dream life is like February, April, May, uh, February, March, April, May in LA and then the rest in New York. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Nate Scott, any any input? New York, LA here. I mean, if it's living full time, like I'm West Coast for life, basically. So I'm gonna pick LA. I love New York. I've been I've spent a few, you know, I've taken a few trips to New York, and I loved it. Um, and I mean, I don't particularly love Los Angeles necessarily, <laughs> but um, 
I'm just I'm a West Coast I'm a West Coast kid. So even Pacific Northwest counts, okay? West Coast <laughs> kid. <It> does. <laughs> I'm just a big this is gonna surprise you guys because you know that we're looking at moving to a warmer climate than Denver because we're tired of snow. That said, I'd rather live in New York than LA. New York's just an incredible city, the food, the culture, and it's like a three-hour train ride from my most favorite city on the entire planet, which you might notice outside of Denver, which is Boston. So That's where my girlfriend's from. Funny. Okay. Okay. Question here is follow-up question on this question. Do we have to root for the sports teams in said place? <laughs> uh, that will man. that will affect then it's LA for sure. No, no. Well, then I can't move to New. Well, I guess I could be a Mets fan. You could be a frisky Jets fan, Nate. It's all right. I That's will never be a Jets fan. Seth, in Boston is a Patriots one. guy. <laughs> I'm on the East Coast. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could do Patriots now. You do love Mac Jones, name. I love well, Matt and Ramondre. I think, I think Frisk, Frisky Jets fan could be a Wu Tang name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> for me guys I, I can't make this decision i've never been to la um all i'll say is there are some pockets of new york city that are lovely um mike have you ever been to astoria queens yeah i love that place <laughs> love that place that's my that's my little nook there that's nice it's a nice little little enclave little little neighborhood for sure i don't have a lot of queens experience mostly it's like on the way to either LaGuardia or JFK. They're like, oh, there's okay. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I've been there. I've been there a few, uh, a little bit. Pretty much a Manhattan person? Manhattan. Uh, we lived in the Bronx for a while, actually, right okay. by Yankee. And uh, I lived in Williamsburg and Brooklyn and uh, the East Village. And yeah, I've lived all over the, the five boroughs, but mostly Manhattan, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Next question here for you guys. Would you rather go no RB in the first two rounds of drafts this season or no wide receivers in the first two rounds of drafts this season? RBs have been banged up the last couple of years. Uh, you got a really loaded wide receiver class at the top there, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. You know, go down the list, Devontae Adams, Tyreek, A.J. Brown. Uh, Scott, I want to start with you here, man. Uh, you normally don't like to fade RBs too heavily. Yeah, but I've, I've been learning my lesson over time. Um, this this would hinge greatly on which pick I had, but um, in a vacuum, like these days, especially in any kind of PPR format, I don't want to leave the first two rounds without a receiver. Mm. That's where that's where I'm probably going. Agreed, Mike. Uh, I I mean, again, as a as a traditionalist and a, an originalist and a, a longtime player, it was always running back, running back, and uh, I, I still feel that pull, and I feel like. I just think it's harder. It's harder to find to find the the a running back. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't imagine going going leaving running back to round three or four as good as the wide receiver crop is because I feel like you know look at Cooper Cup. Like he was available in round three, round four last year. Like yeah. you know, so was Debo. So was they're just and there's just no running back equivalent. So like. Even though I recognize that the world is changing and NFL offenses are changing, I still probably would feel better taking two running backs and going for a, a wide receiver in round three. Okay. Yeah, I'm with Michael. Unless there's a guy like Jamar Chase at the 210 that I just simply cannot pass up getting him that late, I'm going two running backs or a quarterback running back if it's super flex. All right. right. Yeah, I mean, I you know, if 
based on this question is why I answered the way, but the way I'm typically going is I guess what you'd call anchor or hero RB where I, I want one stud running back in the first two, Yeah, you know, but it's typically also followed up with the receiver. But I was that way for a long time. Like I used to get, I would get sweaty if I didn't have my running back situation wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've just, I've started to see the light on some of these receivers and in, in PPR. So awesome. Well, guys, Chase was another one. Speaking, Chase was available in round three last year too. Like, I just think that, you know, it, it, they're just there. They're just there in a way that running backs aren't. Like, you yeah. know. So, and I agree with you. I'm first on my ten team two QB home league, and like, I cannot wait to get Taylor and then two quarterbacks. Yeah. Turn. Just because, like, I got burned by in this league. You got to have quarterbacks because the scoring is so skewed. And mm-hmm. I finally figured that out. And I'm like, I'm going to have Taylor and the two best available QBs at the beginning of round three. Can't wait. Don't tell anyone. In okay. fact, you cannot put this podcast out until. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's fair. Something. That's fair. <laughs> a little late being live there, but uh, hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully none of the league mates are watching tonight. I don't night. understand how the internet works. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, let's go ahead and round it out tonight with uh, a little bit of SBX. Uh, uh, discussion in Sure Thing Sleepers of the Week. It's the Sure Thing Sleepers of the Week. All right. Summertime is here, guys. So we're going to throw it down to the shore for some sleepers. Scott Fishbowl edition. A tradition as old as time, guys. If you're not familiar with Scott Fishbowl, Please come out under or come out from under whatever rock you've been living under. Um, the draft is almost here. I think it's July 10th this year. So uh, a, a great charity event hosted by Scott Fish, and we thank him very much here at IBT for his efforts. Um, and I think everyone does in the fantasy football community as well. Um, and it's an amazing event. Goes towards Fantasy Cares, Toys for Tots. Um, every year they've been raising hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's just a, a blessing to be a part of it once again here. Um, but guys, I want to talk a little bit about strategy for it this year. A couple changes. Um, it, it's still very similar to how it's been in past seasons. Um, the one big thing is uh, QBs. The completions now are worth 0.5 and completions are worth minus one. Before that was always flipped. So now the accuracy is going to matter even more with your quarterbacks. Um, we'll talk about sleepers that maybe can help that issue there. Um, and then the kickers are a little bit different too. You can now play on sleeper. Scott's kind of made that um, an option for you. If you're playing on sleeper, you have to have a kicker right now in in your roster somewhere. Um, so just just so you're aware of that, I'm not sure if they have to be started or not. That wasn't really clear. Um, and then kickers now are going to be a little more valuable, though. Um, one more kicker point for the makes and no points subtracted for the misses, which I think is really going to even it out because in a lot of leagues last year, um, in the Scott Fishbowl, people weren't really playing kickers by week five. So there's no kicker slot? Like, there's no dedicated kicker position? I, on, you, can flex, you can flex a kicker, but on, you don't have to. On sleeper, there is a dedicated slot. I believe, okay. Though. Sleeper, there is a dedicated slot that you will have to start one kicker. Oh, okay. But not on MFL. Yeah, MFL, you can flex them over another flex-worthy player. Well, another thing that's notable, though, 
is that it's a tenth of a point per yard of a field goal made. So if you hit your kicker, if you've got a guy like Justin Tucker who's hitting 40, 45, and 50 yards in one game, you're getting almost 25 points out of your kicker. So it's just fractional kicker scoring is what you're saying. Fractional kicker scoring. Yeah, the way it should have always been always. Like a 49-yarder should be 4.9 points, not 4. Plus, then you'll get the additional one point if because they For made, made kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so a little bit different. Mike, you interested in any kickers this year? Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm on MFL. I'm pretty sure in terms of how I've signed up. So uh, it's nice to know that I don't have to have one. Uh, I generally in leagues where I, you, I have them, I stream, and like I yeah. don't really think too hard on it. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so probably not not super interested in kicker. Although this is a wrinkle with how much how much they can score. Red Bolt, are kickers they? are people too. Remember the Adam Sandler thing about the kicker, the lonely kicker? No, no. Oh, you got to look it up. You got to YouTube it. Adam Sandler, the lonely kicker, right? Okay. Okay. Jen is so embarrassed of me right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, what division you in, man? I'm in the Gotham City division. Okay. I actually requested it because of my, nice. my lineage, my pedigree. There so, you go. Uh, so I'll probably like the movie, I'll be the first eliminated. <laughs> it was probably a poor decision on my part. I got to say, man, I, I do this like silly YouTube series for In Between Media where I combine pop culture and football. Uh-huh. Your ability to transition and connect football with well, during that? this podcast has been veteran level <laughs> absolutely i really appreciate it scott thank you very much high praise <laughs> so mike do you have any sleepers that you're going to be targeting in scott fishbowl this year um regardless of position here well you i was going to say you guys i think are all doing qbs just on the on the notes i noticed and i would say because you guys didn't pick them i think Goff has some upside I think that offense is going to be better. If Swift plays all year, he should catch 100 or so passes. Like, I just think that that's – that's a, but I, I thought that uh, I'd go a different way because it's tight end premium. I think David Njoku is intriguing because they gave him a shit ton of money, first oh. of all, and they cut Hooper. So they're not they – don't, they don't have anyone behind him. So, like – and as we talked about previously – Without Watson, they're probably not going to have someone terribly comfortable throwing the ball downfield. But like Nate said earlier, they're probably going to do a lot of short passing. He's certainly talented. He's certainly athletic. So, like, he, I would say – I'm not saying take him over the big five. If you've got one of those guys, you're probably golden. You don't need to worry about it. But if you're starting at about Schultz and Godert, and definitely if you end up out of that sort of top yeah. seven – and you're going to probably want to grab at least two guys to cover, you know, just like a just-in-case guy. And uh, I would say Najoku is, is interesting. If I ended up with Schultz or Godert, I'll probably look to grab him too later, like at the very end, um, just, in, just in case, you know. But that's a – I want to go with a true sleeper. So, yeah. I like that. that in there. Like I love that call. I have been higher on him than most <clears> – <throat> I think he has the potential to finish in that top five. Ooh, easy, easy. Pump the brake. <laughs> I, I already put it out. I already wrote about I, it, Seth. You can't stop this train. I'm not saying I think it's inevitable, but I think that there's a chance that he's someone that could have a, 
a big enough season that he could finish in that top five. Well, he better. And that's not that's not like a real high ceiling if we're talking about it with tight ends. Right. Like who's he beating out? Mike Gesecki? All right, Penn State alum. Easy there. Easy there in the new line, friends. Come on. Come you guys on. want do you do you guys want to see Seth react to something real quick? Um one of my bold takes this year is that Rashad White's gonna outscore Leonard Fournette. What? Look at him. All look right, him. just look at him. Okay. I can't believe he didn't walk away. Scott, you're no longer on this show. We'll see you later. <laughs> just kidding. We'll bring him back. I forgot. Oh, now I'm on the other side. Hey, you, you know, Lenny, he was the diamond in the rough for the IBT team. We all took some credit on that one last year for getting uh, our listeners to draft him. So, Scott, you owe him one. Let's 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 show some love there. Hey, man, if I got a bold take, I got to say it, right? Can't hide <laughs> from it. Can't be scared that of it. Super that's super bold. That's very bold. Yes, I know. Anyway, right. um, where were we? I think I, uh, I totally derailed sleeper. this. You're up in the sleeper. Let's hear it. Is it Rashad? Yeah, and it, did, it, it is funny how we, it just ended up all QBs. I don't think that was on purpose. <laughs> no, not playing um, at all. The reason I went with the QB is because I'm still working on my projections for 2022, but I always, whenever the scoring format comes out for SFB, I like to look at the past season and plug in those numbers and see where it all shakes out. And so I've done that for QB at this point to see kind of where people would have scored last year with this current scoring format for SFB. And um, Jared Goff, you mentioned Jared Goff. He was one of the highest increases, like the highest percentage increase in where he would have scored based on the, f- the format setting. So he is, he is, he's a little bit of a sleeper. I'm going with Derek Carr, though. He was also one of the higher, you know, normal, normal scoring, six-point touchdowns, SFB 12 scoring. He was one of the higher increases based on the based on that, and that's partly because he's very he's relatively accurate. Um, he was very you know he was top ten uh, total first downs amongst the quarterbacks. You know these these little stats that add up in SFB uh, is where and you know he was QB seventeen last year points per game. Um, that would have been QB fourteen with SFB scoring. So I'm not talking about a top five QB or anything. But in this format, you know, you've got to look for those those second QBs and that QB depth. Um, and I just I like the Raiders offense this year. I like I mean, Absolutely. Adams, I think if any receiver, you know, there's talk about, well, will he be the same chemistry, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, if any receiver is just going to go and pick up right where they left off, I think it's going to be Devonte Adams, you know, Stefan Diggs style. Um, I just think the Raiders in the AFC West is going to be a high flying offense. He's a he's an accurate quarterback. Um, there'll be lots of offense, I believe, you know, first downs, touchdowns. So I think he's a good value QB sleeper in SFB. I love it, Scott, because I because I think the TD percentage is going to go up. And that's what always has kept Derek Carr at a mediocre fantasy quarterback. He has Devontae Adams, 27 touchdowns over the last two seasons. So it should increase. If it doesn't, I will be stunned. I agree. I think it's a good call. I like Derek Carr this year, in spite of my Broncos fandom. <laughs> Let's ride, right. baby. Nate, uh, round it out for us. What you got in here? So I went with Davis Mills. <clears throat> I know he plays for the Houston Texans, but hear me out here. This is a team that has actually gotten better in the offseason. They improved their offensive line, which was a real point of contention for this team last year. They lost Laramie Tunsil for all but five games. They went out and they got Kenyon Green in the draft. I think once he kind of fits into this offensive line, Mills becomes vastly more protected. You've got Brevin Jordan in his second year. You've got Nico Collins in his second year. Brandon Cooks is a thousand yard season machine. 
And if you look at what Mills did when he actually got the starting job full-time in week 14, he only had was two interceptions, but then he threw four, 10, nine touchdowns. Yeah, nine touchdowns. 10 interceptions overall of the season, but only two in that span. And he completed 66.8% of his passes. Terrible, which in this format is a big deal. Also, what I think is important is look at their running back room. They've got Marlon Mack, David Johnson, Damian Pierce, and Rex Burkhead. Rexy, Rexy, baby. None of those guys are going to be a force in the red zone at the goal line. So this is a team that might be throwing the ball a little bit more in goal line situations. Passing touchdowns for Mills. I don't think the Texans are going to be that good, but I think Mills is going to surprise some people. Well, I I think the thing about Davis Mills, there's definitely you know uncanny upside there. I actually rode him. I was in the Scott Fishbowl semifinals last year, and I had no choice but to start Davis Mills at QB two. Lamar Jackson out, um, so you know he was sneakily good though. He you know I rode him through the playoffs. He, he was a high point scorer. Low floor, but high point score um, if you hit that ceiling. So, Nate, I think that's a good call here, man. Well, and you're getting him in like the eighth, ninth, or tenth round. Yeah. So you're not having to spend up to get him. I, it just makes sense to me. Absolutely. Scott Fishbowl, you'll get him in the eighth, ninth, or tenth, you think? I've been getting him. See, the last mock I did, I got him in the eighth. And I've got him as late as the ninth and tenth and a couple other ones. Um, the leagues I'm in with – the box I've done with the analysts, it does not go that way <laughs> at all. But that's because the people I know are – a lot of them are as high on him as I am. We're They're sharks. sharks. Jeff I'm... Bell, you're a shark. Stop <laughs> sniping my players. Um, I, it, one tool that I just want to throw out to anyone who's listening to, um, Andy Estridge just dropped a mock draft tool for oh. SFB. Um, he's dropped these the last couple of years. You can jump in and do a mock draft yourself. Um, against the computer in about five minutes or less. That was great. Super helpful. Um, it's definitely helped me the last couple of years. And it actually takes into account the ADP of the other people doing the mock drafts too. So it will get better the closer we get to Scott Fishbowl um, with those ADPs. So just want to give out um, Andy a shout out. He DM'd that to me earlier today. Um, so awesome guy there. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great resource. I mean, for me, like, I don't, I don't, you know, this silly mortgage they keep asking for and all this kind of stuff like you know with the full-time job and everything i don't have time to do a lot of mocks but that type of tool is great to be able to just do it whenever you want it's not this quite the same obviously as mocking with sharks but it still gives you it gives you that reference it it starts building that picture in your head of what it's going to look like so you're not going in just blind right yep well, guys, I'll round it out here real quickly. Mac Jones, he's someone I think if, if you're going to punt your second QB, which I don't really recommend in this format, I've been there. It's kind of a scary, scary thing to do. But if you are going to do it, look for Mac Jones here, guys. QB 16 in Scott Fishbowl scoring last season versus 18 in regular. So he does get that bump for accuracy. He was a top five QB in accuracy as a rookie, which I thought was damn impressive. 20 turnovers, though, last season. That really hurt his Scott Fishbowl score. So I think if he can limit those turnovers, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, I'm not sure who's calling the plays there yet, but whoever does, um, hopefully they can turn those down a little bit. And he's got Devontae Parker now at his disposal. Not a huge upgrade in the passing game, but this is a guy, true catch rating of 90.9% last season. So on accurate passes, he was catching them. Matt Jones can deliver those. 
Um, there he goes, guys. There you go. Three three pretty good quarterbacks there, I think, for you. Mike threw out Jared Goff, David Njoku as well. Those are some later-round guys who I think are excellent values as well. I like Mac Jones. He he was the highest increase if you applied SFB scoring to last year's stats. He was the highest jump. Um, can you guys guess who the who, who fell the most? If you plug that Zach in? Wilson. No. Well, okay. Um, Zach Wilson was already in the top 30 I was looking at. He was already 30th, and he definitely had the, you know, the worst decrease based on this. But as far as like dropping down spots in the ranking, Tua. Nope. He went up two spots. Oh, interesting. I guess it was probably two years ago where he had a ton of turnovers. I guess he fixed that. When we Ooh, Trevor when we Lawrence. Oh, nope. He was still bad. He was bad. I think he scored less than 100 points in Scott Fisher. He, he didn't move that far because he was already pretty far towards the bottom. <laughs> who, who was it, Scott? Who we got here? Carson Wentz. Oh, okay. He moved down five spots, which I was surprised how high he was to begin with. But anyway. Yeah. Well, Michael, we really appreciate your time on the show tonight. How can our audience members best support you moving forward here? Uh, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Mike Stoyanov, and uh, all one word, I guess. Uh, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. This was uh, super fun. And uh, yeah, anytime. I had a, a great time. Yeah, thanks for this. Was I mean, for a kid who grew up in the 90s, this was pretty freaking cool. Yeah, so. no, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Well, yeah, I, told, I told my brother-in-law. A sitcom in the 90s. I appreciate that. <laughs> I told my brother-in-law, one of the people who got me this, what, uh, what I was doing tonight. He was he was quite jealous. So, yeah, thank you very much for, I'm for blushing us. a little bit. That's really nice. Yeah. Nice to hear. Michael, good luck in in uh, future roles, man. I'm sure we'll be thank paying attention so to uh, to you. Good luck in the Scott Fish Bowl as well. well um, even more important. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, audience members, we appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. Again, easiest way to support us here at IBT: drop drop a subscribe for us. And uh, guys, keep it in between till next time. We'll be back. Your destination for both some feel-good lifestyle advice and some fancy football advice. 